Sherm Chester along with Sam Bruno and the coaches back, Bill Taylor, on this special holiday edition of our Seacoast Sports Forum podcast. Gentlemen, uh, we're getting to the end of the year now. The holiday season is uh, in full gear. Everybody is kind of in a different frame of mind, hopefully a good one. Um, but we're, we still got sports to talk about, a lot of it. But let's start off, Sam, with the basketball, uh, schoolboy and schoolgirl basketball. The season is, is underway, and uh, it started early this year. Last year, it didn't really start until after the start of the new year. Uh, the uh, girls team... Uh is in transition right now uh, because they have new coaches. That's the uh, headline for this year's Exeter Blue Hawk girls basketball team. Dave Solkanicki uh, left the program and he's replaced by co-coaches. And the co-coaches are Sam Webolt and Amanda Swazinski are now running the girls basketball program. Uh, the girls are off to a fast start. This year's team, I think, is going to do quite well because they only lost three seniors from last year's team. So they have a lot of players coming back, led by All-State player Emma Smith. Uh, Smith is a force on the court at all times. Uh, she can play defense. She can shoot the three. She can drive to the hoop. Uh, she's a team leader and uh, doing a very, very nice job. So you'll hear that name, Emma Smith, a lot if you follow Exeter High School girls basketball. Uh, she's backed up by uh, senior Rachel Ludwig and senior Haley Harrington. Uh, they are solid players on both ends of the court. Uh, and uh, inside, Ari Pompeo is going to be rebounding a lot. And the players that uh, will back them up off the bench will be Anya Boire and Wayne Gallagher and Grace Weed. They have all had seen plenty of playing time last year, so they are certainly uh, good backups. Uh, and the new players who came into uh, the game the other night uh, that I saw was uh, Ali Campbell, a good three-point shooter, very aggressive player, and Kali Shrimp who uh, came in off the bench and had a couple of uh, big threes and played some solid defense. So this is a team that has veteran experience. This is a team that uh, knows how they are going to, uh, uh, what they want to do on the court. And uh, they, they look like they're going to be a very exciting team. Uh, one thing we'll be watching closely is how they match up against teams that are bigger. Uh, they don't have the size inside, so the rebounding is going to be a problem. One thing about the coaching change that I noticed right off the bat, watching Sam Webolt, Amanda Swazinski work the team uh, and uh, during the game, very good communication. Uh, you know, Sherman, when we're sitting there on the sidelines, we hear a lot going on with the coaches and how they interact with their players. Right. Some coaches not very well. Some coaches do a great job interacting with their players and the interaction between the co-coaches and the team, I thought was very positive. Coach Taylor, I, uh, size up, I, you know, you were, you were an assistant coach for years. What is the synergy? How do you, how do you, how do you, well, you, you know, I was both an assistant and a head coach. Right. Uh, how do you size up the, you know, Again, what they have to do, I'm sure a lot of their conversations take place either pre-practice, post-practice, or on days off. I mean, they have to be of the same mind and the same philosophy 
as to what they're doing offensively and what they're doing defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what I worked as an assistant with Terry Cookish. We had, you know, we would spend a lot of time because we taught next to each other uh, and with each other. We would spend a lot of time going over different things that we were looking to get done. Mm-hmm. And we would constantly be talking about it all year long. So I think communication between the two is key. As long as egos don't get in the way mm-hmm. uh, and they are the same philosophy offensively and defensively, co-coaches can work because one can concentrate on certain aspects of the game, maybe offense. And the other can concentrate on defense. Right, right. Uh, I think I think the key is consistency and consistency of yeah. message. I think the students need to hear right. the same the same thing from both coaches all the time. Girls are off to a fast start. Now, how about the boys? I was very impressed. They were very loose and and played a real fast paced game. The guys, uh, I I hate to single out anybody, but the the, the five starters that were out there clicking i was really impressed the inside game is working we aren't depending upon and living and dying by the three-point shot so uh, i'm looking forward to an exciting season of blue hawk basketball and the jv program is important too uh kevin walker has done a great job with the jv teams over the past few years uh they just you know it's actually i enjoy going to the jv games and watching them now because these kids are tuned i mean they're just not they're not just learning the basics. They've got it down and, and they're just getting ready for their chance to move up to the varsity. And a lot of them are, are earning their stripes. So uh, that's another important thing. I think for both the boys and girls programs, it, it is just that a program. Now the, the JB coaches are working in sync with the varsity coaches. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. We've got a good thing going. Our friends uh, at uh, ball 603, sent me a reminder because they're they're faithful listeners to our podcast about there's a lot of basketball tournament action going on in the state of New Hampshire. I'm going to bring up the Christmas tournaments for first off basketball. Uh, the Blue Hawk guys are going to be involved with the Queen City Invitational will be taking place at Manchester Memorial High School and that kicks off on the 27th and they will be playing against Bedford in their opener and that uh, that will be an interesting contest because Bedford is one of the uh, teams that uh, uh, coach Holmes mentioned is going to be a, a contender this year, along with Pinkerton. Every, just about everybody in the league has got a bunch of seniors coming back uh, on the guy side of things. So it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, the hol- There's a holiday hoop tournament in Guilford. Uh, let's see what else we got. A girls and boys uh, basketball tournament going on the 27th. That's going to be the Blackbird holiday hoop tourney up in Keene. Uh, you've got the uh, Stevens Christmas basketball tournament, a girls basketball tourney. That's on the 27th at Stevens. Uh, what else have we got here? Queen City, we mentioned the Londonderry girls basketball holiday tournament. That's on the 27th. Londonderry girls basketball, the Lady Blue Devil basketball tourney in Salem on the 27th. So a lot of great basketball coming up. Uh, let's see what else we got. Boys basketball, Halls Brookline. That tournament is on the 28th, starts on the 28th. Uh, Upper Valley Holiday Classic in Hanover. That's the 28th. So a lot of great basketball, the Nashville holiday tournament for girls and boys basketball on the 28th. And a lot of, a lot of good things going on in hockey. we got the, uh, 
Oyster River Hockey Tournament. That'll be on the 27th. Also, the uh, Tuscan Blue Devils Ice Tournament. That'll be an ice hockey tournament that starts on the 27th. So a lot of great things going on before we get to the new year. So good luck to all the teams. Have a lot of fun. It's a good way to tune up these tournaments. So, gentlemen, let's go through a list of what's happening in the world of sports as we wrap up the uh, the year. We've had a good season start so far for the Bruins and the Celtics. Coach, what, what's your take on those two teams? Well, the Bruins are just, you can tell that they are having fun playing hockey. Uh, they've got probably the best one-two goaltending tandems in the National Hockey League. They certainly have, uh, it seems like the new coach, because Bruce Cassidy left and is now doing a great job with the Vegas Golden Knights, but uh, Montgomery, Coach Montgomery, has has installed a system where he's looking to constantly attack offensively, and it seems to be paying dividends. The players are really liking that style of play. What hockey player doesn't want to score a goal? Mm-hmm. Even the goalies, even Jeremy Swayman says he's going to be the first Bruin goalie to get a, a goal. So he's, <laughs> you know, they're, they're looking to attack constantly every time they're on the ice. And I think that fun mantra pertains to the Celtics also. I think right now the Celtics are going through, and I'd be interested to hear, you know, what Sam's thoughts are. But the Celtics right now are now they've got to now that Rob Williams is back, they've got to adjust things offensively and defensively, and get in sync with having him as the big man on the floor. I agree with you on the Bruins. Uh, they are uh, an exciting team to watch. Um, you know, I think I, I think the Bruins are going to be challenged once we turn the calendar to 2023 because they've played 30 games so far, and it looks like 19 of them have been at home where they've been unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17-0-2 is their record at the TD Garden. Uh, so the schedule makers have certainly helped the Bruins in the beginning of the season. So January talk about the Bruins again at the end of January and see where they are. As far as the Celtics are concerned, I, I, I can't make head nor tails of the NBA. I mean, I'm so confused about who's playing on what night and load management and injuries. And, uh, you know, again, you're going to hear it from me in the next two months on this show over and over again. The NBA regular season means absolutely zip. If you just want to watch highlights, that's what you want to watch. I mean, teams right now are just figuring out already what record do we need in April to be able to go into the pay, uh, the playoffs, and that's what they're going to do. So uh, the NBA regular season right now, uh, I just can't get too excited about. Uh, certainly, uh, you don't want anybody to you don't for the Celtics. You don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't want Tatum to get hurt. You don't want Brown to get hurt. Right. Uh, you, you just, you're just hoping right now during the regular season that everybody stays healthy. I'm glad Sam brought it up. Boy, load management in the long run is going to really cause issues 
for the popularity of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because how would you like to be spending the amount of money it takes to go right. to the to the Fleet Center in Boston? And you're going to go there. You're going to spend X amount of dollars on the tickets. You're going to have to pay for parking and any souvenirs and stuff. So you're going to go, and you don't know if you're going to get to see Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, et cetera. And so they're playing Golden State, and maybe Golden State decides that they don't want to play Steph Curry that night. Or the Clippers are probably one of the biggest offenders. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, how many games are they going to play? So, you know, you buy these tickets ahead of time. You look forward to seeing some of the outstanding ballplayers of our generation. And uh, half the time, you don't get to see them. (laughs) That's, That's why your best bet for your sports buck, you know know what I'm going to say, is the WWE. Oh, two and a half hours, two and a half hours of solid entertainment. And you know who you're going to see and you're going to be able to enjoy yourself for two and one half hours. You know something? I'm going to back you on that one. (laughs) Years ago, I took my son to one of the events because Hulk Hogan was going to be there, brother. And uh, the fact was. For two and a half hours, you were absolutely right. They didn't <laughs> stop. He has, uh, Vince McMahon had that show from minute one to the end, two and a half hours later, nonstop. He didn't want you out of your seat to go get a soda or a beer or, or any gimmick. He wanted you to sit in your seat, watch the show, and it was action-packed. So you're right. You got your money's worth on that one. You knew exactly what you were going to see, and every minute was filled with something. Even when they were changing between matches, there was something going on. It was just like a circus. So anyway, speaking of a circus, uh, baseball. The circus has uh, finally uh, settled down. The uh, free agency market is pretty well settled out. Um, the big winner in Major League Baseball was Scott Boris. He's the uh, super agent who had four, four count of nine-figure contracts and more than $1.4 billion in new contracts. We lost Bogarts. We gained a few players, spare parts. Uh, We got a a reliever now, Kenley Jansen. Uh, Sum up the Red Sox situation, Sam. Well, maybe Roger Brown now will watch some Red Sox games with Kenley Jansen and Justin Turner coming to the Red Sox. Okay, so you've got a couple of former Red Sox uh, Dodger players coming east to play for the Red Sox. Uh, Talking about Justin Turner, 38 years old, signs with the Red Sox for two years. They just switched locker rooms. J.D. Martinez went to the Dodgers. Justin Turner came to the Red Sox. So those are your, that's your DH switch for the Red Sox right now. He'll play a little first base. And, uh, you know, who's going to play shortstop? It's going to be Trevor Story. Dansby Swanson was the last shortstop on there, oh, and he went God. to the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be uh, Trevor Story there. So Red Sox still need a catcher. They still need outfield help. They help their bullpen a little bit. They signed a Japanese all-star, which I know absolutely nothing about, uh, who's going to be coming to town. So the Tampa Bay Red Sox live. Uh, we still are going to be uh, uh, a middle-of-the-pack baseball team uh, for the foreseeable future. And what I don't understand is we haven't signed up Nathan Evaldi, who's still out there as a free agent. 
I, I think that the thing that shocked me the most was that, uh, okay, we lost Xander Bogarts. I think that was a, a fait accompli, but what are they going to sign Rafi Devers? That's the big one. We have to jump on something fast, and it's making people wonder if, if they're going to let him walk next year. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that if you're Rafi Devers and Bogarts, you played alongside Bogarts, as a teammate ever since you've been with the Red Sox. And Bogarts was really the unofficial captain of the Red Sox. Right. He was a leader both on and off the field. And you're Rafi Devers. You're saying, the Red Sox don't want me here. That That's my feeling. Yeah. I just think he's going to be gone also. I think they'll lowball him. It's, it's what's going to happen. And, you know, his agent, I don't know, has he got Boris as an agent? I don't know who his agent is. I don't is. know. But, you know, they'll be they'll be shopping him against all these other contracts we just saw. I don't think he's got judge money coming his way. One, one thing in this one column I was reading was it's kind of silly how all three of the uh, major shortstop contenders, including Bogarts, um, way overpaid more more so the years their productivity is probably good for probably five years from the three major korea and uh, turner and also bogarts but they're all signed to like 10 year plus contracts and it's just eh, it's kind of silly money i i I don't understand the philosophy sure there are guys who are on these baseball teams who just sit in offices and figure out that if you give a player 10 or 12 years right. over the long run with taxes, with luxury ta- luxury tax overloads for the, for the teams, mm. that it's not that big a deal right. that if you lose 40 or 80 million on the back end of the contract, you're still going to be making money <laughs> in merchandising merchandising and luxury taxes and things like that over the ways. So, you know, these guys are not going to just throw their money away. Sherm. there are guys that's that are smarter than you and me and the coach that are in there, right. there, figuring this stuff out. Yeah. So, so coach, again, you said you're, you're doubtful. They're going to go after Devers. So uh, are you happy with what they did this year so far though, to try to put a product? No. No. Okay. No. (laughs) I mean, you know, we are, we're not Tampa Bay. Right. And I don't know who is making the decisions. I know who the general manager is, and I know who, know who the owners are. But I don't know when it comes down to it who is making the final financial decisions. Right. And my question now is, why would you spend big money for a closer when I don't know how many games he's going to get to close? Because right. we're not going to produce a lot of run mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well if you if you want to sell the red sox you don't want to have a 300 to 400 million dollars guaranteed contract on your books mm. so yeah, you're right there just think just think about that so mm. uh you know endeavors just with the inflation and the way that the prices are going you know if mookie Betts gets 350 million dollars from the dodgers devers has got to be in the fours somewhere if he has another good season. And I think the owners are thinking, well, let's not do anything too far in advance. What happens in April or May if he gets hurt? Then what do we do? Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. you know, they got to think about those types of things. Well, I, I think Heim uh, Boom has got his hands full, literally, because, you know, he, he's doing the best he can with what he's got. But I, I, I don't <laughs> 
It's going to be interesting. I'm, and what- I'm, I'm just thinking about the narrative that's going to be coming out of the Red Sox team front office, you know, from Alex oh. Cora and from people like that. Well, we're going to be competitive and we got the, we got a good bullpen. Now we've, uh, we've, we've established our bullpen and, and those yeah. types of structure. We don't have any starting pitching and we still have Chris sale. Who's really going to bounce back this year. This reminds me of how they used to do the team back years ago under Hayward Sullivan and all of those guys that were in charge. They'd bring in one or two named brands and say, hey, we've got so-and-so, these guys that were kind of on the backside or washed up, and they were still names, but, you know, you knew they just were there as, to draw a few people into the stands. Tom Seaver, a good example. We didn't get the the prime Tom Seaver. We got Tom Seaver on the backside. So, But he drew a few fannies into the seat, so that's all that mattered back then, and, you know, that's what they're doing again now, it looks like. Um, but the team that's kind of uh, <laughs> circling the drain uh, – <laughs> The New England Patriots. I, I, I couldn't believe as we record this, they played the Las Vegas uh, Raiders the other night, and it went down to the final play of the game. It could have gone into overtime, which is what they should have been playing for. Somebody decided, hey, let's try the hook and ladder play, and whoops, it didn't work. And uh, it, it, <laughs> they tossed the ball to the Raider. The Raider went into the end zone. End of game. Uh, wow. Uh, what a mess. And Belichick was kind of, you know, like, well, they made a lot of mistakes. That was all he could say. And the players were all saying, yeah, we screwed up. I screwed up, blah, blah, blah. So what, what's your take on where they stand now as a, a 500 team? My personal feeling is that the debate that I had after that last play against the Raiders was that number one, it should never have been tied. Uh, the Patriots had a great second half. They scored 21 straight points to, to go up uh, 24 to 17. Uh, they had that game in hand and usually with a Belichick team, they're not going to make any mistakes. They're going to run, they're going to handle it down the stretch. And this team is not like your typical Belichick team. They made offensive mistakes. They didn't score in the red zone. This offense is an absolute mess right now. So don't get too hung up about the weird play at the end. I mean, those things happen. Um, the, the debate that I had at the game, the end of the game was, which game did I feel worse about? That game, that loss, or the miracle in Miami when the Dolphins mm. beat the Patriots? Mm. Um, and I, I thought that the, the miracle in Miami was the worst loss because they were leading in that game, and then that, that game turned that around. But I'm not going to get too, too hung up on a, a weirdo play. Those things happen in football. Uh, I just am more concerned about Mac Jones, this offense, and my God, Matt Patricia, uh, he's just driving me nuts. And the thing that I point to about Matt Patricia is when he was coach of the Lions, the Lions were awful. He yeah. leaves the Lions. Dan Campbell comes in and look at what the Lions are doing right now. The Lions are a load right now. And that team is going to make the playoffs. So you just tell me what the problem with the Patriots is. And I'm pointing the finger right there. And mm. that's what it's going to be. Matt Patricia is the Peter principal. <laughs> you put him in a position where he can't handle it. And I mean, I was hoping that the Patriots would have beaten the Raiders and maybe at some point Josh McDaniel gets booted out of there. And we wind up with him back as our, our quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, whatever his title was. I agree with Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman said, we have seen an awful lot of bad football so far this year. He said it on national television without being specific. But think about 
the really good teams that are, I don't know. I mean, are the Eagles for real? What happens if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, which he is right now, and he might not play against the Cowboys? So out of the out of the NFC, I think you'd say the Eagles are a good team. Do I think the Cowboys are a good team? No. I don't know of another good team out of the NFC. The 49ers, they can play defense, but the jury's out as to whether or not Brock Purdy can do the job. He has done it so far, but can he keep it up in the playoffs? In the AFC, you've got the Cincinnati Bengals. They're for real. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs. They're for real. And you got the Buffalo Bills. Beyond, I don't believe the Dolphins are for, for, uh, for real. Uh, and everybody else is just trying to salvage this season by trying to get into the playoffs where they're fodder for the, the teams above them. Tampa Bay is they're abysmal. <laughs> I think, I think Brady is, uh, rethinking his decision to come back on that one. You're right. What, so snap pick on this, uh, at this point, Patriots in or out? Sam? Uh, I think the Patriots still have a shot. Um, I, 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 they certainly, if they can get to nine and eight, as the coach was saying, all these other awful teams are going to just beat each other up. Patriots have to go two and one uh, down the stretch. What about you coach? They're out. Okay. I, as, and I'm a Patriots fan. I mean, I watch all the games, but I think the offense is too much of a mess. Mac Jones has regressed. Right. I agree with you. I totally. Defensively, they can play, but offensively, they can't. So I don't see how they're going to win. I don't know if they're going to. I don't think they're going to beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati's on a roll. Then they got the Dolphins, and then they got the Bills. I mean, if they, if by chance, they're eight and eight going to Buffalo for the final game. Honestly, their only hope is that the Bills have clinched and that they're resting. Or I don't want to see Josh Allen and the crew get injured. Right. I just don't want to see them limp into the uh, into the playoffs and get wiped out in the first round because there are better teams out there. Buffalo, like you said, Coach. I'm right now. Buffalo is the team in the AFC for me, and if it isn't them, Kansas City. And uh, I don't know the, the National Football Conference. Wow, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really couldn't pick one. You're the expert, Bill, so I'm going to defer to you on this this topic. You're a resident NASCAR expert, so I want you to size up what you saw in, in the season and uh, any predictions for the year ahead coming up. Well, you know, I was very happy to see Joey Logano uh, win the championship. As you know, I'm a Penske driver fan. The, the season coming up is they're going to have a street race. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they're going to be go- racing in the streets of Chicago. Uh, that's already confirmed on their schedule. I think what's happened with the new car has created some problems, but what it has done is evened out the playing field. Mm-hmm. That's why we had so many new winners this past year. There's a lot of young guns out there, and and you know they're going to be taken over. 
uh, Lugano, it's hard to hard to think he is one of the old timers now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it, he's he's been one of those guys over the years that uh, when he when he first started, he was kind of a firebrand, and he uh, stirred it up a little bit with some of the old timers from from that era back a few years when he started. Uh, but you know, he's been consistent, and and again, I'm happy for him. I, I'm like I was kind of rooting for him throughout the season. I'm a Harvick guy, I you know that, but. And, you know, Harvick is making a big decision on his future. He has already told or made public that he will decide before the Daytona 500 if this will be his last year or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're right. The old guard is leaving us and the young. Well, isn't that true in every sport? Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Two-minute drill time. Now, Sam, the topic we haven't touched on is college football. I know that's what you wanted to mention in your two-minute drill. Well, certainly uh, with bowl season going on right now and getting ready for the National Football Championship uh, next month, uh, we'll be talking about that on the show and making our picks between uh, Michigan and Georgia and TCU and Ohio State and that type of situation. But I, I you know, certainly raised an eyebrow this past week when – the announcement was made that Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker is going to be the new head of the NCAA. And, you know, certainly running a state like Massachusetts is going to be a, a big problem for a lot of for a lot of for a lot of different reasons. But boy, jumping into the NCAA quagmire right now of trying to figure out these divisions all uh, put getting themselves together for TV money and uh, schools switching leagues and uh, players getting paid. Uh, how much money can they make the transfer portal and who's figuring out what's going on right now in, in college sports um, just trying to keep college sports legal right now. Uh, mm -hmm. There are going to be a lot of times that, Coaches, God love them. We love our coaches and we love our, our teams. But, you know, sometimes you cut corners because, you know, you really want to win and uh, you really want to have a winning program. Boy, the NCAA trying to put together rules and regulations that are fair for everyone and trying to keep out any kind of uh, illegitimate action by anybody right now in these transfer portals and paying players and all that kind of situation. I just wanted to wish Charlie Baker good luck uh, and, uh, and, and have, have a good time living in Indianapolis right now where the NCAA is located because uh, you're going to work a lot harder at this job than he did at governor of Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, you're right about that. That is, he's going to have his hands full and uh, it's all big business. It's big business. No doubt. And about I it. just have, I'm just going to make one more comment and then throw it over to the coach. Was there a better hour of soccer than the last hour of that World Cup championship game between Argentina and France. I don't think so. I was uh, going to ask uh, you guys, did you watch the, the World Cup final? I watched the whole thing. Okay. What about you, Coach? Uh, no, I had other things going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just, tell, I'll just tell you that for the, for the game of soccer, there couldn't have been anything better to uh, help that program along um, and uh, get get people enthused about it uh, because that was an unbelievable hour of sports entertainment, only second to the WWE. Uh, the other football. <laughs> yes. Yes. Another, yes. another, another debate for another day, football right. from right. the international scene. Coach, what's your two minute drill? 
Well, my two-minute drill, unfortunately, is kind of a sadder one. The Blue Hawk athletic community lost uh, a, a big supporter of especially Blue Hawk football. Sandy Winter, for well over 20, I believe, close to 25 years anyway, if not longer, was a member of the faithful member of the chain gang. Right. In sunny, windy, rainy, snowy, no matter the occasion, he was there. Mm -hmm. And a big-time supporter of Blue Hawk football, and it was uh, sad to note his passing. Well, he uh, was a proud Marine and uh, a proud member of Blue Hawk Nation, no doubt about it. You're right, Coach. And one of the things that I read in his obituary, and I wanted to pass it along because I thought it was in Sandy's words. And this is a quote now. Next time you're at a bar or at a restaurant, grab the tab of someone near you. Think of the good that could happen if we keep paying it forward. Yeah. Deb and, and uh, Sandy's family, we, uh, we're thinking of him, and uh, we'll miss him along those uh, sidelines. And uh, it was good that he was at one of the recent playoff games. It was good to talk to him. A two-minute drill for me. Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, say a big thank you to the uh, staff of the veterans home in Tilton. Uh, my uncle, a member of the greatest generation, my uncle Phil Schneider turned 100th on December 18. And uh, thanks to all those uh, folks at the veterans home in Tilton for all the care they give the residents there. And especially to my uncle, Phil, uncle Phil, keep, keep, keep on keeping on as the saying goes, it is a hard holiday show. We'll probably be uh, in 2023 when we get together again, I had some quick questions I was going to ask you guys. Uh, sports highlight of 2022, Sam? It could be the Celtics going to the, the playoffs, ending the, play, yeah. the playoffs last year, okay. you know, uh, going to the finals, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I've got one, okay. and it's a local one. And I'm going to mention, because we did a preseason segment with Coach Kristen Morissette. Yeah the Exeter High School softball team, okay. and she said that they were really good and they have a good chance to win the state championship, and I'm going to go with her Yeah, you, you because that, they yeah. did. They you, were really good, and they did win the you're championship. absolutely right. I'm going to go with that one, Bill. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think, Coach, that, that 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 hits it on the head. We had some other championship teams, so congratulations to all the Blue Hawk champion, champions this year. All the teams did their best and, and did uh, – go a long way in all the tourneys uh, and in the golf team winning, winning again this year. Uh, let's see, we had field hockey, a championship. So, you know, this is, this is, uh, we've got a good thing going here at Exeter high school and uh, the blue Hawk nation. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on that one. And you did a great job interviewing. You put her on the spot that day <laughs> and, and she came through for you. <laughs> she did. <laughs> and one other thing I was going to ask you guys, since it's uh, Christmas season, I'm not going to ask you if you've done your Christmas shopping because that's the old corny one. What's the favorite gift you ever received? And go back to when you were a kid. What was your favorite gift, Sam Bruno? I got my own television. Your own television? Right. In black my bedroom. White. in black my and black, black and white, you know, rabbit ears, uh, the whole bit. But I had my own television. And oh, uh, nice. that was uh, that was it. That was that was that was going to be it. Yeah. Coach, what about you? Well, I can't. For me, the gift giving is more about the giving sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when my son was in college, 
and he came home. He didn't have a vehicle when he went to college, and I had the chance to uh, purchase through my officiating. I just kept the money aside, and we purchased a vehicle. And what we did is when he came home, we parked it across the street. <laughs> and this was even, you know, he came home for Christmas vacation. And I said, hey, why don't you go uh, put gas in the car? And I tossed him the keys. <laughs> and he said, well, which car does this go to? I don't recognize the keys. And I said, your car over there. And I'll tell you the smile and wow. I felt so good about being able to do that. And uh, I just go. remember that. There you go. That, that's that's yeah. what counts. You're right. That's what counts. It's giving. I My wife gets mad at me because she'll say, what do you want for Christmas? I don't really need anything, you know, and, and, and you know, like you say, I have more fun. I used to do theme Christmases with the kids and uh, now it's the grandkids. And then with 10 grandkids, it gets complicated, believe me, and expensive. <laughs> but so my favorite, my favorite present I ever got, I think I was seven. I got a, a small reel-to-reel tape recorder. And that started the, the love for this business. We all got we all got we all got the reel-to-reel shirt. Yeah, the little reel-to-reel, yeah, you know, the little what are yep. two-inch reels and and, and uh, that thing lasted well it lasted for a long time until i started to get curious about how it worked and i started taking it apart putting it back together again and the yeah. parts were missing and <laughs> you know again you, you got your old reel-to-reel uh tape recorder and fa- you know at family gatherings they used to think you were cute going around doing like stan freeberg man on the street yeah, interviews yeah, exactly okay exactly. Um, one other thing i i will say in in my later years and you used to see it behind me here on our televised version was that the John Wayne stand up there, that full life size of John Wayne. That was probably the second most favorite gift I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Duke. I think it's time to adjourn. Hopefully everybody has a safe, happy, healthy holiday season. And we'll get together in the new year. We want to thank the folks who checked our podcast out. We're on all the major platforms for podcasts. Pass the word if you're enjoying the podcast. And thank you to our friends at Ball 603 for giving us a thumbs up and a heads up about the basketball tournaments going on throughout the state of New Hampshire. Get out during the holiday season and check out some of the tournament action, whether it's boys or girls, basketball, hockey, wrestling. We mentioned them all during the show. Just have some fun with your family and friends, and we'll catch you in the new year of 2023. So for Sam Bruno and the coach, Bill Taylor, I'm Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us on the next edition of the Seaco Sports Forum.